Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Morning, everyone. Hello, hello. How are we doing? Good to see you all. Uh, my name's Steph. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, also, a um, couple of stories. I've done a little bit of traveling um, last couple of weeks. So just a couple of nice little stories for, for your encouragement. Um, I was in Peterborough two Sundays ago. And I was just uh, preaching about um, going to the nations to preach the gospel and plant churches and stuff. And uh, I spoke about a certain couple who I won't name, for, um, but that went, uh, well, a certain family who went out from us a few years ago and they went back to the nation where they originally started their lives. They came to the UK as refugees, but then went back to the nation where they originally started their lives in order to um, tell people about Jesus and, and, and plant a church. And I said how powerful it was, and I've been out there to see them because they are of the soil, if, the, if that makes sense. They, they're, they're back where they came from and there's something quite powerful about that in the sense of they've already know the culture, they already know the language, they've already got family and connections out there. I was just speaking about this idea of being of the soil. It was quite an interesting idea. Someone in the congregation was really struck by this, by this phrase. And um, at the end of the meeting I said, just give us a shout out for anywhere that you're interested in. Uh, and this, this woman shouted out, uh, Turkey. Um, but also she's sitting there and in her head she's going but I'm of Swiss soil. I'm from Switzerland. So she wrote in her journal, Lord, I'm, I'm of the soil of Switzerland. If that means anything, please let me know. After the service, uh, one of the women in the church in Peterborough came up to her with her daughter, who was about 11, and said, my daughter's got a word for you. Um, but she's a bit afraid to bring it. Um, and this woman said, no, please do. She said, well, it's just one word. And she said, that's fine, what is it? And she said, it's Switzerland. How amazing is that? That the Lord, had, out, of the, out of the mouths of babes and infants, you know, that the Lord had just whispered to this little 11-year-old girl, this one word, Switzerland. This woman here is writing down, Lord, I'm of Swiss soil. Does it mean anything? Please confirm if it does. Within, I don't know, half an hour or an hour. So she just emailed me saying, this is what happened. I want you to know me and my husband are praying about this and taking this seriously. So really exciting stories, prophetically, of God moving. And then last Sunday, I was out in... Um, Frankfurt, yeah, so the church there that we helped to plant a few years ago, so they had a weekend away, so myself and Morris Nightingale and Rob Glover, we were out there together, joined them in the weekend away, laid hands on four guys for eldership, and the church is doing great, um, they're in really good shape, um, just got, just full of life, full of joy, and just growing, growing in health, so just want to encourage you guys, I was able to go and send them our love. And they're in really, really good place, and it was brilliant to be with them. So, thank you for your prayers, for your ongoing uh, support uh, and, and help uh, in terms of just, just you know, being being part of the the wider vision. It means so much. Okay, so James chapter three. Back in the day when when we used to preach, we used to say, "If you've got any questions, just ask." And I was out for a coffee with someone last week, and they they were saying, "Oh, it'd be great if if." if things could be a bit more interactive. And I thought, yeah, well, yeah, we used to do that. You just sometimes forget on the way. You lose good habits. So I want to just say, if you've got any questions during the sermon, just raise your hand, um, just to make sure that we're doing as best as we can to help people understand things. So please don't be afraid. No question is too, uh, 
whatever, you know, if, 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 if you genuine, genuinely want something comes up from the passage, please ask. And then we can, um, we can really get into uh, the meat of things together and grow and learn together from God's word. Because I, I, and I'll do my best to answer, but I'm not the authority. God's word, the scripture is the authority. Okay, so we're going to follow through a passage um, together. James chapter 3, the first 12 verses. Um, what we're going to do is that we're going to just do a few verses and speak and just work through it verse by verse. So we just ask for God's help. So Lord, wherever we're at today, Lord, whatever is going on in our hearts and in our lives, you know. You're the God who fills all things and you search the hearts. We thank you that nothing is hidden from you. And Lord, that's not said, to, um, that's not said to, as a threat, that's said as a comfort. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we, nothing is hidden from you. You know what's going on. We can trust you. We just thank you for that. And I want to pray, Lord, for your spirit to be at work. Lord, as you have been already through our time together, I want to pray through the sermon that your spirit will be at work, touching people's lives, minds, hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. James chapter 3. Okay, so here we go. Um, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So I'm going to just start there. James comes straight in with a warning. Um, I think because it's the Bible, we think Bible teachers. I think that's where we jump when we read this. Not many of you, my brothers, should, um, should become Bible teachers. I actually think if you read the book of James, James, I would say, has a very, has a very um, clear interest in life as a whole. If you read through James, you'll see he's very interested in justice issues, very interested in, in people getting paid their wages fairly in their workplace. He's really interested in that. He's not just interested in church stuff. James cares about the poor who come in, as we heard last week, who come into the church and, and the rich, and he wants to make sure things are done well. He, he, he's a lot more concerned with simply what goes on in the church. Uh, and I think here, there's a, there's a for any of us who teach, whether it's me teaching the Bible, whether it's you teaching uh, people as part of your job, as part of your work. There's a really weighty warning for us here that we will be held to account for what we teach. That, that when we bring something that, that God knows, we don't just bring something to inform, we bring something to influence. Okay, Particularly if you're thinking about any kind of teaching that touches on ethics, morals, values. You're not just informing, you're also trying to influence and there's a weight that comes with that. Um, and I'll say particularly younger ones, particularly if you're involved teaching young. Jesus said, um, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it will be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and be thrown into the sea. Well, okay. <laughs> That's the words of Jesus. It's not a paraphrase. Direct quote. If any of you cause these little ones to stumble... Um, and so there's, a, there's such, so if you're a parent or a guardian or a, a teacher, uncle, auntie, just the, the influence that we have as, as people look to us. And you know what it's like when you're a kid? You, you get to a certain age where you start questioning your parents, but up till that certain age, it's gospel truth, right? Whatever your parents say. I remember once one of, my, um, one of my children saying to me something about their body, is my something to something? And thinking in that moment, what I tell them is gospel truth as far as they're concerned. That's powerful. They weren't asking for an opinion. They were looking to, in that sense, you know, you, well, I know, 
and I told them exactly the right thing. <laughs> but there's this thing, there's this influence. It's a really, God, God takes it seriously. We will be held to account, and we'll look through this as we go through. And so to just step into teaching of any sort, there's a weight with it that's appropriate to feel and to understand and the influence that you have. And um, it's ever so important when we think about you know, the younger generation and um, any who are any in the wider society who are uh, watering seeds of confusion or seeds of fear or see, seeds of um, uh, twistedness, darkness, then they will be held to account for it. They, will, they may seem to be able to get away with all sorts, um, but there is, as we heard earlier, turn to you, there's a day coming where everyone will give us an, a given account. So it's just an important thing to just... There's a real weight about today's... Uh, Subject, uh, this whole matter of speech and being an influence in our speech. So, and in verse two, he says this. So, um, I love this is my, one of my favorite verses in James because sometimes you think, James, are you perfect? You know, he's kind of you just think, oh boy, I'm utterly discouraged. Basis for we all stumble in many ways. Okay, so that's settled. We all make mistakes, but it says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. And that word perfect in the Bible, in the, in the Greek, the idea, it's not so much, we, when we think of perfect, we think of, um, we, we, it's a word that we use in a very specific way. The, the original language, it's a broader sense, it's just the idea of mature, maturity and completion. That's what the word means. If anyone, can, if anyone can control their mouth, then they are mature. There's a maturity, a completion about them, which means that they'll also be able to control the rest of themselves. It's a marker. What you do with your mouth is a marker as to how in control you are of the rest of yourself. That's what he's saying. If you can bridle that, you can bridle your whole body. If you can keep that in check, you'll keep, you keep the other things that you do in check. So we're getting some really helpful insights here when we think about this. We're going to come to somewhere at the end where we, where we put it all together and help you understand the gospel in it. But for the moment, we're just going to work through the words as James brings them to us. I find Proverbs is a massive, massively helpful book if you want to meditate more on speech and the power of words. Proverbs 17 verse 14 says this. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit the quarrel, quit before the quarrel breaks out. Really interesting. This idea, I guess it's this idea if you've got, you got your finger in the hole, you know, and when you decide I'm going to quarrel, you pull your finger out of the hole and the water starts coming out. And before you know it, it could be the idea of the dam, <laughs> you know, this quarreling. Something that some of us need to think about more than others. Some of us are born with an argumentative streak. Anyone understand? Anyone relate to that? I naturally I'm born with an argument. Davina says to me, sometimes it's like talking to a lawyer. I've had to learn, really learn, how to have conversations that are helpful because I, there's something in my there's something good and godly about the way my mind works. But when it's not, when I'm not, if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, if I'm not in a godly frame of mind, if I, if I'm not peaceful in Jesus, it can become trying to win arguments and trying to, you know, trying to kind of demonstrate. And I'm, but it's not loving. And I may be correct, but you just, you're, you're, you're sort of killing people on the way. 
This idea of quarrelling, letting the, letting the thing out and the water starts to flow. How do we stop it now? Ah, now we can't. We're gone. This is really true. Quarrelling can lead to very damaging words. Damaging words can lead to offence and deep pain. Offence and deep pain can lead to being estranged and not trusted anymore. And then that can lead to separation. You go, how did we get here? Started there. Started there when I was all worked up and I said something. And then he goes on, verses 3 to 5. Extraordinary things, he says. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. What vivid imagery. You've got the bit in the mouth of a horse. Any horse riders in the, in the room? Got a few. I used to have to horse ride when I was young. My sister loved horses and she wasn't allowed to go alone, so I'd have to go with her. And I hated it. And we would go to this place called Old, uh, what was it called? Farmer something, Old Mick. Old Mick, it was a traveller site. And they had these old horses roaming around. You paid Mick 50p and you'd, you'd wheel this thing up to you. wouldn't wheel it, lead it up to you. You think, oh, well, you know, they were enormous. And I was sitting on these things and my sister was doing it all properly. I was sitting there slouched like something, well, when's it going to end? Horses flying, running off with you. It was absolute chaos. But my sister loved horses. She she, she found this horse that belonged to someone else and she was convinced no one was looking after it. So she'd get the extra bus on, on the way home from school, stay on the bus, an extra bus, extra long, and go and feed this horse. And I had to go with her and feed the horse because she wasn't allowed to go alone. So I was brought up around horses. And there's this fascinating thing where you've got this little bit in the mouth and, um, and your reins there and you're sitting on it and you just nudge it that way and this huge beast. You just nudge that little thing in the mouth, this huge beast turns that way. Nudge it that way, it turns that way. You think, oh, look, I mean, horses are, if you've never sat on a horse, it's quite a frightening experience. They're extraordinarily strong, incredible, elegant creatures, beautiful, powerful. This little thing in the mouth turns it that way. This is the same with a boat and the rudder, just a little turn that way, this huge vessel. It was going that way, now we're going that way. Why, that little thing at the back there? So, the tongue's like that, that little thing. You wouldn't look at a person initially and think, that's the big deal. James saying, that's the big deal there. That directs the life. That directs the whole course of your life. He's taken us into deep waters this morning. And I want to encourage us to, to stay with him and to face it and to allow the grace of God to help us with this. The tongue sets the direction of your life by what you say, truth or lies. By, by how you say it, gently, kindly, graciously, or with real <laughs> sharpness. When you say it, after a good night's sleep, when your perspective has been restored or not. What you don't say, what you don't, how, many, how many horror stories have you read recently where someone's dared to speak up about something? And then suddenly rank upon rank of people said, that happened to Me Too. The Me Too movement. Me Too. You've stuff has been going on for decades. Vile, disgusting behaviour. But it took someone to say something and then suddenly, whew, so what we don't say can also be the issue. James goes on. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire 
and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now when I read this, I found myself asking the question, is James exaggerating? I found myself asking that question. Not a very reverent question, this is scripture, but I still found myself asking it. And I wanted, and I found some other other passages that will help us to see exactly what James is getting at here. So I'm going to just read a few different chunks. You can make reference to them, maybe look them up later if you want to go into it in a bit more depth. But Proverbs 6, verses 2 to 5, says this. If you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself, for you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. If, you'd, if you've been ensnared by the words of your mouth. I remember once I was, uh, go do, I do boxing sometimes, and I was boxing, and I said, and they got us doing sparring, and I said to the coach, I said, don't put me with a woman. Because it's, it's mixed. I said, don't put me with a woman. Um, it goes on and he puts me with a woman and uh, afterwards we had a, had a very very tense conversation with him um, and I really spoke out of anger I mean it was righteous anger but I spoke, I spoke out I spoke at the, should have just taken some time I didn't I remember cycling home thinking I, I went too far with my words I know I went too far and I remember thinking well I'll, you know what I'll go, I'll go boxing again on Thursday or whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll sort it out then. And straight away, that scripture came to mind. Give your eyes no sleep and no slumber. And uh, so I, I had the phone number of one of the other coaches rang him straight away. Can you pass me over to so-and-so? I said, look, I, I spoke out of turn. Straight away, he just apologized for what he'd done. And it just broke the wall down. But there's just that thing, you know, where you've been ensnared by the words of your mouth. And you can choose whether to own it and straighten it out and see what God does or you can kind of hold on to it. So again, there's a strength in here in the Proverbs. Or listen to this, Proverbs 12 verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Wow. Or this one, Proverbs 18 verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Speech. Listen to Jesus. Matthew 12, verse 37. Matthew 12 says extraordinary things about speech. But Jesus says this. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. <laughs> I think that James isn't exaggerating. James isn't exaggerating. Powerful, powerful stuff. So let's get to the end of the passage and try and pull it all together. Verse 9. With it, the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brother's, 
these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Okay, James is saying basically two main things here. That the, there's two chief sins in speaking unhelpfully to others. Number one is this, you are damaging the image of God. You're damaging, when you speak a curse word to someone, you, you are, the chief sin on it is that that person is made in God's image. So you are defacing the image of God. You are bringing, you are contributing to the death, one way or the other, of that person who's made in the image of God. And it's the same is true in terms of what you speak over yourself. Now I'm not into that, you know, full on positive confession thing. I think it gets a bit weird. But there is definitely something in this idea in terms of the words that we speak over others and over ourselves. I'll look at that then when we get towards the end. But it's the image of God. Me and Davina had an anniversary weekend a few years ago and I thought, I'm going to surprise her. And what I'm going to do, we're part of this, we didn't have a car then, we're part of this thing called Easy Car Club. Anyone heard of Easy Car Club? It's a great thing. People have cars and, and, and it works like an agency. You, you, you find a car and you hire it. I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to find a car whose roof comes down and I'm going to drive her off into the sunset, right? So I hired this car, picked up this car from this posh guy in Victoria, drove it back with trembling, and a bit earlier, I thought I'm about two hours early here, I'll park it up around the corner, and um, then spring the surprise in a couple of hours' time. So I park it around the corner, come indoors, have a cup of tea, everything's great. So I'll be back in a minute. Go around the corner, it's not there. It's not there. And you go, you know, you know the panic, the heart starts racing, you go, you just totally... You know, I mean, it's not there. Um, so I, st- I, don't know, I don't know what I looked like, but I, I mean, this is, this is pressing all my buttons. This is pressing all my buttons because it's, ju- it's not the car, it's the person that I've, that I've hired it off. That's, that's pressing all my buttons. So I'm panicking. So I go, where did I park it? So I look, so I look at the small print of the, the sign and I've illegally parked. It's been towed away. So at least it hasn't been stolen, but it's been towed away. So I thought, right, where? So I find out where do they go? And I found, found the place in Camden, went there. They said, yeah, no problem, sir. Can you give us the V5, please? The V5 is the paper that shows that you own the car. I said, I haven't got a V5. It's not my car. It's not your car. But if the owner has to come get it. The owner can't come get it. I don't want to tell the owner. <laughs> I don't want the owner to know. Um, if I have to, I'll tell him, but I'd write, you know. So a lot of faff. And 260 pounds later, we, dr- we drive off into the sunset and it wasn't, it wasn't very romantic. <clears throat> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. There was, a period of about, there was a period of about 45 minutes where I turned on myself in the most extraordinary way. I was shocked. The things I said to and about myself, I would never dream of saying to or about someone else. I mean, I really got into it. Uh, that's not, that's sin. That's not good. Because the whole time I'm doing that, I am defacing the image of God. So James says, that's the first, that's the first thing. And then the second sin is that it's just totally inconsistent. Believers in Jesus, if they are believers in Jesus, 
should produce Jesus' talk. Salt water and spring water. He says, look, he says, what does he say? Can a fig tree produce olives? No, no, figs produce what? It's not a trick question. <laughs> figs. <laughs> Can a grape produce figs? Now, what do grapes? What do grapevines produce? It's not. It's not rocket science, is it? The root and what it is by its nature determines what comes out. James is saying, well, if if you're if you're of him, then what comes out should be of him. And this is really how I want to pull the whole thing together now by way of finishing. There's been no questions. I know you're all just shocked, but there's been no questions as yet. But it's this. <clears throat> we, like I said, we are made in the image of God and we're made to rule. If you were to, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? If you read Genesis 1, God makes mankind, Adam and Eve, to rule. And then he, that, that's you know, subdue, look after. That's what they're to do. Now, the interesting thing is this. What is the one unique faculty we have as people? Speech. We, we rule by our speech. What we say determines and shapes things. If we're made in the image of God, look at the power of God's words. We're made in the image of God. Look at the power of our words. Our words create things, create life or death. It says in Proverbs. So this faculty of speech is core to how we rule, how we exercise godly authority in life. Park that thought. The Bible also says this, that out, Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Who's ever told a joke and someone's looked at them like, oh, that was a bit, and you go, I was only joking. As if somehow, because you say you're only joking, it nullifies the effect of that joke, which was actually the person discerned, there's something going on in your heart. Sometimes we disguise what's going on with jokes, but the thing still comes out. Cynical, negative, critical, bitter, whatever it might be. Cutting. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we've been made in the image of God. When you come to know Jesus, when you put your faith and trust in Him, you repent of your sins and trust in Jesus as your Saviour, the Bible says He gives you a brand new heart. It takes out your heart of stone, gives you a heart of flesh. You're born again. You're a new creation. At the heart of it is, is a love for Christ and a desire to live for him, it's a miracle. Hallelujah. So you get a new heart. And so out of that heart, the overflow, the mouth speaks. And so as, our, as we are constantly renewed and become more and more like Jesus, that our speech reflects more and more like Jesus, which is way more than just nice speech. Read the Gospels. Jesus wasn't always nice. But his speech was always truthful, full of grace and truth. Something, he would get to the heart of things. He had the candor of a child, straightforward, no tricky talk, no double talk. No, well, I said that, but I meant that. Straightforward. That's the image of God. And the Lord wants to deliver us from anything double, anything that just makes us kind of this, well, I was that, that tricky stuff. You know, we have a word now, I say, you're being tricky. <laughs> it's like, well, what are you, I don't know, what you, you're being, there's something tricky going on here. It's not godly. What God says he means, what God means he says. And that's why we, we can come here and celebrate, even if our life is hard, but we can come here and find joy, find fresh confidence. Why? Because of what he's said. And what he's said, why? The impact that has on our lives. The extraordinary foundation. You know, you see, all we know about Jesus is in here, what's been said. 
And he comes and lives in us by his spirit. But how we know whether the spirit we're experiencing is the Holy Spirit or not is by, is it biblical? Does it line up with what God has said? I love the Bible because it shows me how unchanging God is. No matter what day of the week, no matter how I'm feeling, I can go to Romans 8 verse 28 and it will tell me that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Amen? Beautiful, stunning, amazing. That is the power of being connected to one who is truth. And the one who has all power to fulfill everything is promised. It's absolutely extraordinary. But for me and you, we're not him, but we're in him. And he lives in us. And he's changing us. And he's working in our heart. And if he's working in our heart, then our speech will be impacted. And for some of you here, if you just, you know, even as I'm talking, if you just, you know, you just know, I curse. I curse. My language is blue. Or my language will be like that there and that there. None of those things are fitting. They're just not fitting. What do we do when, we're, when we, when we recognise that? I've tried to be as honest as I can with you today about where I start, struggle speech-wise. That should take me back to reflect on my heart in the presence of God. Say, Lord, is everything okay? Am I carrying bitterness here? Am I carrying discord? Am I not dealing with stuff here? Is there something going on? Lord, help me to see. Help me. And I think so much of what goes on there's such a spiritual reality of our minds and our hearts and spirits. So much goes on. And the enemy is real. And the enemy loves to sow in all kinds of narratives and storylines that will get us totally messed up if we believe it. And then you find the speech that comes out. And you think, I've been believing lies. Brothers and sisters, we've got to believe the truth. Stand on it. Fight for it. Help one another into it. Speak the truth in, one, in love to one another. That's how the church grows into maturity. We speak the truth in love to one another. That's everything from telling each other the gospel, praying with one another, encouraging one another, at times rebuking one another, because we love and care for one another. And we are one. We are one. And helping one another grow, maintain that unity and speak in these kinds of ways to each other is so, so Important. Imagine a church. What a vision for a church. A community whose words to one another are so life-giving, are so upbuilding, are so truthful, are so gracious, are so straightforward and for one another. Imagine what kind of community we will grow into. That's the kind of life. That's the Jesus life. That's supernatural. That only God can empower that and release us in such deep ways in our heart from the stuff that holds us back. And if you've never experienced this incredible miracle of having your, your natural heart replaced with a, a, a supernatural heart, one in which God by himself, by his own spirit, lives and dwells, and where you find, I just love, more than anything else now, I love Jesus. How has this happened? It's a miracle. You've heard all through the service how it's been made possible through the cross. The blood of Jesus spilt for our sins. Shed so we can be forgiven and reconciled to God. And when you're reconciled to God, it's so close. It's closer than your skin. He comes and lives inside you by his spirit. That's a miracle. And you can know that today. The, the hard work's been done. He was high and lifted up on a cross for us. So we can walk into, walk away from darkness 
and walk freely into the light of Jesus and enjoy that new life. Amen. Amen. Any questions? We've got a few minutes. No one asked any. I mean, it's not exactly a complicated doctrine, is it? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, we all understand. It's just hard. It's just hard. Yeah. Have I learned anything practical on the way to cultivate a reflective mind? It's a good question. I'm, I'm not very practical, <laughs> so I struggle to answer practical questions. And also my observation is some people are naturally more reflective than others. I'm naturally a very reflective person, so much so it can get me into a real pickle. So I have to learn, learn how not to be too reflective because <laughs> it can get me. But I think if you're not a particularly reflective person, then I think it would probably be things like... Um, Having relationships with people that are better at reflecting, who can ask you certain questions, so you almost learn it through the in the conversation, which is um, and putting time aside, and not to just kind of be active and be in the moment, but stop and sort of try intentionally think back on some things. What's God trying to teach me? I mean, it's pretty simple stuff. It's it's hard. It's quite hard because I do it quite intuitively. Um, it's quite hard to, to think about, you just, it's just where my mind goes. But I've definitely been around long enough to know that for some people it's, it's less like that. But I think to, be able to have some relationships with people that are a bit more that way tuned, you can kind of learn how to have those sorts of conversations and build in those kinds of questions, maybe something like that. Well, in terms of myself, who's more reflective, how do I make, make sure that that remains constructive and not destructive is not to isolate myself. I love time alone, but I can get into a real pickle in time alone. So, you know, just Davina's friendship is absolutely key. Um, just, obviously, the kids are great. They don't, they don't let you take yourself too seriously today. Um, good relationships, you know, just key relationships in church, running partners, GC, just friends in church, you know, just for me, and also leading, leading, leading in the team. So I'll give you one example just to, just, to, um, just to sort of finish off. I was in Brussels this week, which is really exciting. Um, and um, I, uh, I'm on a team with Mike Betts and Morris Nightingale. And um, I've, been, I've been feeling Brussels in my heart for years. I'm not a very practical person. It can be really indecisive. And uh, Morris on the team said to me, have you, have you thought about getting more involved in Brussels? And I was like, well, yeah, I'd love to. But, and he's like, but what? And it's like, I don't know. I've not had enough prophecies or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And he's like, just, just, we, just sort of encouraged me to make a practical decision. Um, and it, I was quite nervous because, you know, I don't know, I, I'm not very decisive at times in certain things and not very practical. And it all felt a bit practical. <laughs> but I went, I went and it was such a fruitful trip. And the, the promise of what God's going to do there is just, it's just really exciting. And I found myself reflecting on that trip going, I'm so glad I'm in team and that I listen to people. I listen to people who approach life slightly differently to me, uh, even when it's a bit uncomfortable. And I think that that is so important for maturing, is to surround yourself with people who approach things a bit different from you, and they sort of, you, you push each other out in a good way. You know, you, you stop, you, it stops us from becoming caricatures of ourselves. Yeah? And if you're isolated, you can become a caricature of yourself. Are those strengths just grow really? It just it just goes into something odd. Whereas team, community, friends, God uses it to help us grow. Amen.
Let's have just a moment to respond um, to, to the Lord. If you, you just know in your heart, you know, you just got to do some repenting around speech. You know, uh, or you've got to do some reflecting around your heart. Or you've got to straighten something out with someone. You've got to call someone. You know, whatever it is, before the Lord, decide what it is concretely. Don't go vague. Don't go super spiritual. Say, Lord, what is the thing I need to do? That's what repentance looks like. What is the change of thinking? What is the action? And in, remember James from a few weeks ago, in doing that, you'll be blessed. As you do it, not as you heard a good sermon, as you do it, you'll be blessed. So Lord, we want to just be before you. And we just thank you, Lord. You've got a hold of us. You care about us so much. You love us so much that you don't allow us to just become feral and wild. We're your children. You're committed to bringing us to glory. We thank you for that. We thank you you've got a hold of us as a community. We're yours. We're not perfect, but we're yours. And you love us. And you accept us. And help us to accept one another. Grow together. Give lots of love and space to one another. And Lord, we just bring this whole matter of speech before you now. Let's have a moment of silence and just say, Lord, we want to just, just do business with you around whatever you've raised. Lord, we just thank you that you hear our prayers and that you respond by your spirit. Thank you for just being at work in our lives. We're so grateful, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.